good morning. How many of you came, tried to come in off of Golden West and had to get funneled around to, to, yeah, okay, so, yeah, sorry about that. There is a marathon going out there. You are not the marathon runners. Congratulations. <laughs> there are other ways to stay in shape, believe me. <clears throat> um, but today is a big day for another reason, obviously, right? Baby Jack turns one years old today. <clears throat> uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who started that tradition of letting kids just put their face in cake? But dang it, is he cute. So uh, that's, uh, that's, that's obviously why today is such a big deal. So we, we're celebrating that. We are grateful for uh, baby Jack. <clears throat> um, we are in the middle of a beautiful mess series. Maybe you're here for the first time. You're just jumping in on that welcome. Maybe you've been around for the, the lead up and how we've gotten here. All the messages are online. You can listen to them uh, or share them. But here's, here's why we're doing this. A beautiful mess is referring to our relationships and how our relationships are so pivotal to doing life. Like you can't not have relationships. And yet, they are really difficult and messy at times. And it doesn't matter if it's marriage relationships, friendships, coworkers, kids, grandparents, whatever. All of the, it can be really difficult and messy. And some of you are living through that right now, and you know messiness in life and what that looks like, and to try to reconcile and to try to connect. And so we're talking about this, and we're talking about different areas of, uh, of our relationships in our life as we do life together. And one of those ways is from like a parent to a kid, or from a grandparent to a child, or from a coach or a teacher to a kid. We're going to be talking uh, this week and next week about the five things that every kid needs, the five things that every kid needs. And I want you to know that this is more than just families and parenting. This is relevant to you wherever you are in life because you interact with people at work and you interact with kids in different spheres of influence in life. You, you have relationships with people and with kids and with nephews and nieces. You, you connect on different levels. And I want you to know that whether you're in a family or you just have roommates, you can take these themes and ideas and apply them in your home and workplaces just the same. And I am well aware that some of you are new parents or you're, you're parenting right now and this message is coming at like the perfect time. Like you, you really need this right now. Um, but there are others of you who you're, you're, this message, this idea is going to bring up pain. And it's because maybe you haven't been able to have kids yet, or maybe you lost a child, or uh, maybe you're, for whatever reason, there is just, there's pain associated with this, and, and I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm aware of that. But it, this, these ideas are going to be relevant to all of us for a few reasons. One, all of us have a child that's near, whether it's your own kid, whether you're a teacher or a coach or whatever, there's, there are children that are near, that you have the ability, that, the opportunity to love well, that are in close proximity. There are children that are far, that maybe you see on TV or that you know exist and that are out there. Maybe, maybe you see or you hear about things in the news and you're just thinking, I, you just feel this burden for, for justice, for something to be done, that it's not okay for kids to be treated that way, for this to happen, for this to go on, and, and, and something just, just needs to be done. There are kids that are far that, that, that need you to care. And there's a child within. There's a child within 
all of us. It doesn't matter how old you are, you're, you're still a kid down deep. The famous theologian, Woody Harrelson, <laughs> he said this, a grown-up is a child with layers on. All of us are still kids on the inside, and all of us still carry with us our childhood and our upbringing. And so we're going to talk about the five kids that the five things that every kid, every person needs. And the first thing is simply this: kids need your presence. Kids need your presence. Look at this first verse, Mark 9, verses 36 and 37. It says this: He took a little child whom he placed among them, and taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Did you know that when you welcome a child, when you love a child, that you're literally welcoming God? You're welcoming God himself. Jesus said it. That came out of Jesus' mouth. That when you love and welcome and care for a kid, you are welcoming God. It's that big of a deal. There might be nothing more important that you do in your life other than loving some kids really well. It may be the most incredible and spiritual calling that you have. And they may not even be your own DNA, these kids. And yet to love them well ushers in God's very presence. So being present with kids, it begins with a strong belief. You have to have a strong conviction that you are in this person's relationship, in their life for a reason. Uh, parents are the biggest influence in a kid's life. You, you look at the world around and you can say, oh, you know, 20 years ago, the MTV generation, and that's what influenced, and, and rock and roll before that, and, and we've got, you know, now it's, you know, iPhones and media and the internet and, and all those things, yes. But all those things, their, their influence magnifies and intensifies when a parent withdraws. Because a kid is most influenced by their parent or the loving adult in their life. They want you. They want to watch you. They want to follow you. They want to be connected to you. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. So your role in loving kids is really important, and I want you just to play along with me. All of you, doesn't matter if you're, if you're a parent yet or not, just raise your right hand, raise your right hand and say, I am a big deal. <laughs> yes, because the role that you play in kids' life is profound. Your own children, or if you're, if you're an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or a coach or a teacher, the role you play in kids' life is profound. What if parenting we're a bigger deal than your paycheck. What if when someone asked you what you do, your response was simply this, hey, I'm raising a human created in God's image and helping him realize all that God put in him as he lives out his mission from above, overthrowing the corrupt chaos of this world in a spirit of love and humility, helping to usher in the kingdom of the living God. What do you do? 
oh, you're just a lawyer. You know, or, you know, what if it was that significant to you? That you are literally shaping the life of another human being that God has given you to steward as a gift. Children are a gift from God. And there is probably no greater contribution that you can or will make in this world beyond loving children well. But if you really believe that, it's going to require sacrifice. And the biggest sacrifice that you're going to have to make is with time. And I know that some of us are the quality over quantity people. You say, well, I, I spend quality time with the kid, not, not, not so much quantity time, which is another way of saying that I value me time most, and then what's left over, I make count for the kid. But parenting or loving children well and being present requires sacrifice. Where are you sacrificing for their sake? Now, these are general principles and truths, and they apply. And I also want to recognize the fact that there are some single parents in here that are trying to work two jobs and put food on the table and do all kinds of things, and you are our heroes. And we know it's incredibly difficult. And we pray that God continues to uphold you and strengthen you and give you energy and favor and blessing and continues to help you parent your kids so well because that is difficult. And yet for most of us, for, and for all of us, to really be intentional about how we spend our time. Is it me time and our time that we're trying to protect and do what we want with? Or are we willing to sacrifice so that we can be present with kids that God puts in our lives or around us? There was a study done at Harvard not long ago, and they found that the biggest contributor to a young person's anger, rage, or hostility is the perceived inaccessibility of their parents. So if your kid perceives, maybe you're there, you're just watching TV. Maybe you're there, you're just emotionally checked out. But if your kid perceives that you are inaccessible, those are the kids that are on their way to anger, rage, hostility. Because presence matters. There is no substitute for presence, not, not even presence with a T. That doesn't compensate for being with. Money doesn't comp. You can give me your money, but your kids need your presence. They need you. They need your time, attention. They need you. Grandparents are especially great at this. It's like the, 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 as the older that they get, the more clearly they see life and what really matters. And, and they're willing, often it seems, to spend more time with the kids. And that matters. You grandparents are doing awesome things, loving kids and pointing them toward God and just giving them your time and, and encouragement. I, I, I have this little picture of little Johnny saying, oh, yeah, thanks, Grandpa. Sure, I'll sit and listen to you more about your chronic back pain anytime, you know, or whatever the conversation may be. But, but your presence is significant in their lives. Grandparents are so, so critical because every kid needs the presence of caring adults. And number two, every kid needs encouraging words. Every kid, every person needs encouraging words. Proverbs 12, 8 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring 
healing. What do you do with your words? Encouragement is like food for our soul, and people around you are starving. You have never met and you will never meet anyone that is just over the top, overflowing with encouragement that they just can't take anymore. We all are in constant and continual need of encouragement in this world. And you do not have a kid, you cannot have a kid that has had too much encouragement. Kids do not outgrow your encouragement. And some of us know that all too well. You know how important encouraging words are because you still carry scars on your heart from words that were spoken over you in the past. And they still play in your head like tapes. How do you use your words? How do you use your words to build up? Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me was an idiot. That is that's the farthest thing from the truth. Actually, literally, our minds process physical pain and emotional pain much the same way. And words matter. You can speak blessing into your kids. You can speak confidence into your kids. And when you do, try not to add modifiers the things that are like, oh, I just love little Susie, but she's shy as she cowers behind your leg, right? Or little Billy, he's our wild child as he belches and lights a girl's skirt on fire, right? I mean, he's fulfilling your prophecy, and kids will. They will become what you speak over them. Use your words well. Catch them doing things right. Don't just criticize don't, don't be quick to find, just point out and speak the wrong thing. Try to catch them doing things right and praise that and build into that and get excited about that. Pump them up. You're such a servant, little Johnny. I saw you get the remote for your dad because he didn't want to get off the couch. You know, whatever it is, you're just, you build up and encourage. Imagine every kid you come in contact with, every person you come in contact with, with a tattoo on their forehead that says, encourage me. Encourage me, because they need it. They need it. doesn't matter what kind of a person it is. It doesn't matter if you don't think you can relate or you're kind of intimidated. You just say, you know, Stacy, I love how your nose ring matches your bracelet. That's really cool. Or, what, you know, however, you just, just encourage. Parents of teenagers, this can be tough because you're not getting anything back, Right? But you can't quit encouraging. Be the adult. Be the caring parent. Keep encouraging, even if they have nothing to give back to you, even if it weirds them out, even if they don't want to touch you. Even... Keep encouraging them. They don't have the emotional capacity to compliment you. That will come later. Keep pouring good in. And try, when you encourage, to encourage beyond performance. When you just encourage good performance and then you discourage and you come down and criticize on bad performance, you develop people pleasers who are just going from thing to thing and they're trying to perform well when people are watching and they do whatever when people aren't watching and they think there's shame when I perform badly, well, but I, they're, they're proud of me when I perform well and that can be confusing for a kid. So instead, try to encourage character 
Instead of, Johnny, you've got four goals today. You're the best. Maybe, Johnny, I just love watching you play. I loved how you shared the ball today. I loved how you worked so hard today. I loved your effort today. I'm proud of you. I love you. I believe in you. I noticed what a hard worker you are. I was looking over your report card, and it's just so obvious that you have integrity and you're not cheating. My parents noticed some things in me and that aligned with character and values, and they encouraged them. I remember them saying, Caleb, you're such a good example to your brothers. You care for them so well, and they look up to you. And so that helped me to take my, my role as an older brother really seriously. They would say, Caleb, you're, you're a natural encourager. You have a way of helping others believe in themselves. Caleb, you're really good at playing G.I. Joe and memorizing all their weapons. You should be a warlord. I don't know how to... I don't know how that plays in, but if I were encouraging my one-year-old, little Jack, he does a lot of this, you know, I might, I might say something to the effect of, Jack, you're so good at helping us meet our neighbors when they come up and complain <laughs> about your noise and your drum. No, actually, he, you have such a joyful spirit, Jack. Like your mom, you just overflow with joy. You have a contagious joy in you. You speak out those character things. You draw them out. You make them true. You cause them to have confidence in who God wired them and designed them to be when you speak it. For some of you, this is going to require a real shift because maybe you're not good at using your words for building up. Look what... The Bible says in Matthew 12, for, who, for whoever or whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things out of the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things out of the treasury of an evil heart. Maybe it's just a simple commitment for you today just to pray that God would change your heart. Not necessarily just manage your mouth, but maybe you just need a heart change. Because it's going to come out of your heart, the words that you speak. And maybe it's that simple. Maybe that's your simple step today. It's just to pray every day, God, change my heart. Make me someone that just overflows with good and encouragement and love and not criticism and sharpness and cutting words. Proverbs 12, 6 says, The words of the wicked are like murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. Every kid needs your presence and they need your encouragement. We'll talk about the other things that every kid, every human needs next week, but today uh, we have a couple of special guests. I thought, why should I keep talking about this when my own parents are here? So would you please welcome my mom and dad, Larry and Jenna Anderson. Let's just We'll just do this one standing, huh? <clears throat> I'll take that. So um, these are my parents. Jenna. My son. <laughs> <laughs> Spelled Gina, but pronounced Jenna and Larry. And they are here from uh, Scottsdale. They are pastors of a church in North Scottsdale. We, we were all, well, we were born in that area, moved to Claremont when, when I was nine, and then they have since moved back there. 
And uh, I thought, we're talking about these kind of parenting things, and you guys were just so great, really, in, uh, in, in all these things, especially when it comes to being present and being encouraging. What, what were the things that you just had strong convictions about, Dad, getting us started that, um, that caused you to take parenting so seriously? Well, <clears throat> first, the first thing is um, I love being a dad. I just love being a dad. I still love being a dad. And, uh, and so I didn't want to miss anything. I wanted to, I wanted to be part of all of it. And, and I'm, you know, you're ministry, and, and so you're people person, and you, uh, you could miss a lot by doing good things. And so Jenna is um, being a great parent. It's like breathing for her, and I had to be intentional <clears throat> to become a, a reasonably effective parent. And, and so um, one of the things that we did is I would print off my calendar uh, uh, for in 90 day segments, and then I would give Jenna a veto over my schedule, and I made a commitment that I would never be out more than two nights in a row without being home one night, um, because I wanted to be there for bedtimes, and I wanted to be uh, there, you know, at dinner, and I wanted to, you know, be part of all of that, uh, and so I needed to do that ahead of time, and I needed to get on my calendar ahead of time, and uh, <clears throat> to make sure that that I was there. Uh, during those times, I, I remember telling folks um, in our ministry that uh, if if you uh, pick up the phone to call me and it's after nine o'clock, would you do me one favor? Uh, would you ask yourself, could I talk to Larry tomorrow? And if the answer is yes, then would you not call because I'm with my kids and my wife and and I I, I want to be with them and and so would you respect that? It'll, it'll be for nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I would get some pushback even on that and and I would typically say, well, you'll thank me when you have kids or something. But um, but just to try to make sure that that I was there and present and involved. Yeah. And uh, mom, one of the things that you did just in terms of being present was uh, you, you had to sit around the table together and had some intentional times. Uh, one of them that comes to mind was Friday nights. It was TGIF. We would watch Full House, Family Matters. Anybody? Uh, Steve Urkel. All on the same, on the couch yeah. together, five of us. Yeah. We're watching this together, having popcorn. and having Which fun. must have been a real treat for you guys, um, really enjoying those shows, but we liked them. And another thing that, another thing that my, my mom instituted was at dinner time, we would eat dinner together, and she would pull out this, this jar, and in the, this was the jar of questions. And, uh, and she, would, she would pull out questions, and we would go around and have to answer them. What, what, was, what was your... Mm, what was, yeah. Why were you excited about that? Just be well. I think meal times are important, and it and they, you have to fight for them too, right? I mean, you're busy, and um, people are going in different directions. But to really make a priority to sitting around uh, regularly um, for meal times. Um, but uh, you know, too often it's really easy to, to eat and run, right? But it's it's around the table and around food that. Um, uh, ideas from the day, you know, uh, consequences from the day, or just being able to process from the day happens, as well as, you know, starting out with something light. They didn't always like it either. I mean, we, we got pushed back from the bear jar game again, Mom, you know, but... but About it, 15, 16, you start <laughs> to go, I think I've gone through every question. But, 
And I would find new questions, you know, read good things in magazines, and there's all kinds of resources, the end game, and lots of different resources to add questions that would just allow us to be able to make boys talk uh, uh, with one another, uh, figure out how to encourage one another from how they answer, or um, just be able to laugh and encourage uh, one another, and kind of learn how to pray specifically uh, in in response as well. And we would have kids. to answer the questions too. Yeah. That was important. We were participants. It's not just, you know, so we'd have to pull our little card out and answer it. And, and that was some work sometimes. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 So sticking with the presence theme, one of the other just commitments that you made, Bear Jar Game, Family Night, um, you also made sure that you were home and that you coached our teams. Yeah. You know, um, I coached soccer for 12 seasons, 12 years. And I knew nothing about soccer when I started. I just knew I wanted to be my son's first coach. And I wanted to have a great experience. I knew hardly anything about soccer after the 12th season. <laughs> but I coached. I took each my son's first two years. And then I'd go to the next one. And then I just kind of fill in and, and coach. Because uh, what it did for me um, was it, it, it helped me to be disciplined um, that every Tuesday and Thursday, I had to be home early and pick up my boys, and we'd go to soccer together. One of the great um, bennies that I didn't even think about beforehand but that I got was time in the car back and forth, and, and it was some of the most talkative times would be on the way to soccer and especially on the way back. And, and so I, I coached um, for 12 seasons because it was a, it was a commitment. It was a discipline. I like doing it, but... But I, I knew I needed the discipline Tuesdays and Thursdays and then Saturdays. And, and for years, I, I would tell people, yeah, I know that's a great event, but I have a commitment already Saturday morning. And I, I would let myself miss one game a season. We had three sons, so it was, it was a lot of moving around. But uh, it was a way for me to just carve out time to make sure that I was present uh, with the guys. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that you did, talking about three sons, uh, when it comes to encouragement, is that you did affirm character qualities in us, and you also encouraged us to love each other well. What was kind of your slogan around <laughs> our relationship? Well, our slogan was to be each other's biggest fan, and, and that was a value in our home. And, and Jen and I, we tried to model that in front of them with each other, to be each other's biggest fan. Um, and, and so I'll tell you this, because Caleb and Josh, our two oldest, were, they were, they were any, any sport, they were just all over it. And, and Aaron's our musician, and so he played the sports. But, but when these guys were in like ninth grade and seventh grade, and they had to go to Aaron's band concert, <laughs> it was so great. Because it was the same rule, right? This isn't just sports, but Aaron you're, had you're tagged along for all of their <laughs> Yeah, he got into all their stuff. And, and so it wasn't others. just show up, but it was, we're each other's biggest fan, and, and I, I would have to say this, that I think you guys get the benefit of his commitment to be people's biggest fan, and uh, that was just part of the value in, in our home. Mm -hmm. um, did you have anything else to say about that? <laughs> well, again, it, you know, uh, I sit there and I listen to you and I think I don't have anything to add. I thank the Lord for speaking through you and I am very proud of you and love you and you share very wisely. And um, I did want to, is it okay to share that? I'm, I did 
want the value in our home. I, I wanted the boys to grow up knowing that my role with them was uh, cherished, that there wasn't another thing that I was wishing I was doing, mm. that this was a very, um, I wanted home to be a fun place and a safe place, and I wanted to be there with you. And um, mm. so that was a, a value um, for us. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you were going to share with folks who are either they're looking at maybe being parents down the road, or maybe they're, they're, there's a little bit of regret about parenting, or how would you encourage people just to kind of close us out here um, with this huge task of whether it's their own kids or their coaches or their aunts and uncles, whatever it is, the, the stewarding of God's gifts of children? Well, can I say this? The first, the first thing I'd want to say is that the, the, we, we understood the best thing that we could give our kids was Jesus. And I wanted, and so we felt like our own personal relationship with Christ and our own personal growth was critical so that we would live out of that and, and not just tell them about Christ, but we would live that out together. Um, but, but here's the other thing. Um, I said this before, but, but I have the gift of repetition. And um, <laughs> so I'm going to tell you again, all right? I love being a dad. I just love being a dad. And before the Lord, I did everything that I knew to be a good dad. And so I'm just not the kind of person that's going to go back and beat myself up over things I didn't know because I love being a dad. Mm. Have I said that strong enough? <laughs> I really, I love being a dad. I still do. And, uh, and, and so before the Lord, I did everything that I knew how to do and I just trusted the Lord to fill in the gaps. Mm. And, and so I don't go back and spend a lot of time second guessing or with guilt because I did everything I knew to do and I trust the Lord uh, with the rest. Mm. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. So we're going to continue to talk about the three, three more things that every kid, every person needs next week. But there, I wanted to just finish with one idea, uh, and it's simply this. I know that there are people here that are um, wrestling with this, maybe maybe feeling like, oh, I'm not a parent yet, or maybe there's sadness over that fact, or wherever it is, or maybe the discouragement of feeling like maybe I've blown it in some ways, or or whatever. Wherever you are, I want to leave you with one simple thing, and that there's hope. And that the biggest part of you being able to love yourself, love kids, love other people well, is knowing how loved you are. And we're going to, you can't hear that too much. I'm going to say that so many times. You're going to be sick of it, but you won't be sick of it because you can't hear it enough. Ephesians 5.1 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Did you know But the reason why we talk about kids and parenting and stewarding that responsibility is because you are God's kid. He loves you that way and so much more even than you can fathom in your human love. He loves you that much. It doesn't matter what you've done, how you failed, what you haven't done. It doesn't matter. He loves you unconditionally like his dearly loved child. And he loves your kids more than you do. 
And I just want us to sit in that truth and that realization. Because we can have principles and we can have knowledge and we can have all those things. But unless you know how much God loves you and can overcome the weaknesses of your parents and your past, how can you love other kids well? You can't. He loves you. And he can compensate for the shortcomings of the past, the shortcomings in the present and in the future. Because he's God. And so maybe today it's just a moment of surrender saying, God, I just, I surrender my parenting, I surrender my influence to you, and I just, I want to know more of how much you love me. And I want that love to be able to pour out from me into others, especially kids that are so moldable and shapeable still. Will you use me in that? Make that your prayer right now. Jesus, would you make us that way? Would you allow us to know how dearly loved we are by you? Would you fill us up with that? Would you encourage our souls, our spirits? Would you allow us to know how cherished we are by you? And then would you use us in the lives of others, especially the children around us? In Jesus' name.